Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Buonasera, Windy. And our tactics guy and my fitness pal, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. You really made that sound like you didn't just spend the last three minutes workshopping that intro. I made it sound like it just rolled off the tongue. <laughs> Straight off the top of your head, mate. Such Perfect. a pro. Such a pro. Uh, how are we doing, boys? Not bad. Not bad. It's, I think not bad is the correct answer <laughs> after a, a nil-nil draw against Watford. Um... Buddy, what did you make of the the overall performance? Are you happy with the result? Uh, no, of course, I'm not happy with the result, but there's definitely um, positives to be taken from the result. Okay, such as? Mm. Such as it was a clean sheet. It was yep. our first one in over a year away from home. So Is that right? A year? Yeah, since Cardiff. Um, the 1-0 against Cardiff back um, back early in January. Yeah, so it's, I think it's... I think it's just over a year, yeah. Okay, so interesting. That's a positive to take. Um, some of our play was quite interesting. Um, you could see Mourinho was going back to that kind of formation that we saw against West Ham away at the start of his tenure. So you did, there, there was bits there to be positive about. Obviously, there's things to be negative about and a bit down around. But um, I, you could see something. something's happening. Something's anyway. happening, okay. Yeah. Okay, and Nathan, are you surprised about the clean sheet? Um Certainly, in response to the fact that there were very few defensive-minded players in the Spurs lineup. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like um, we didn't give up any chances. Like, it's not our. Mm. Uh, and I know how like <laughs> like uh, the ratingly nerdy is to say, but like, it, it's not like our best uh, performance from like a goal uh, expected goals against perspective in that last mm. year. Um, uh, you know, you take the clean sheet, obviously. Um, but yeah, Watford were definitely in that game from an attack perspective, and certainly as the game went on. And we owe Paolo Gazzaniga a, a big thank you, yeah, uh, for, for saving a penalty. Did a good job there. Uh, we've all been critical of him at various points across this season, but um, he, you know, if you save a save a penalty, is not an awful lot more a goalkeeper can do uh, to to deserve a clean sheet. So that was really nice for him. Um, there were some sort of semi surprises, I suppose, in the team selection news broke about an hour, hour and a half uh, before the teams were announced that Tanganga might play left back. Uh, were you surprised by that selection, Bardi? Um, yes and no. No, um, yes is in the fact that he played on the left-hand side. I thought we might see Tanganga play in that kind of right-back role and then perhaps we would use Sessignon in a kind of a, an attacking full-back role. But... Um, Playing as that almost like that third that third centre back, he he had a he had a tough old time. I think he was he was stretched more by Saar than he was by Mane last week. Um, but no, he he kind of deserved it from his two performances midweek in the cup and against Liverpool. He he deserved to be given another chance. And I thought he was booked early. A lot of people were a little bit nervous, but I I think he's, he seems to be quite a level headed young chap. And I, I thought I thought he had a, a good game in difficult in difficult circumstances. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. He had a really tough time against Sarah at points in the first half and start of the second but he stuck at it and he he mm-hmm. ended up um 
towards the end of the game, he was winning a lot of battles with him. So he he did well. He kind of um, he could have easily been taken off once he'd been yellow carded, but he mm-hmm. showed that he had the the attitude to keep his head and and Mourinho trusted him and kept him on the pitch. Um, yeah, I, and yeah, sorry. and Saab Saab blew up. You know, Saab tried his living daylights against him. He tried and tried, and in the end, it was Saab that kind of fell to pieces and had nothing left in the tank. And Tanganga was Tanganga was still strong. Sure, as far as I'm aware, Tanganga's never played left back before. I mean. Certainly not for the under 18s or under 23s that I that I can remember. Um, he's barely played right back, to be honest. It, it would literally be a handful of games that he's played right back. So uh, to to have two of your three sort of games this season in the Premier League out of position as such, uh, quite impressive. Nathan, what did you make of his performance? Uh, yeah, it was it was a tricky one for him with Sar, wasn't it? Um, I I was really really impressed with him against Middlesbrough, mm. um, and then obviously he had a harder time against Watford, a higher level of opposition. I do think that we'll see him in that sort of left back, left centre back hybrid role quite a bit going forward. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, if we rewind the conversation, there was a lot of talk, like Barty just alluded to, with the idea of playing Young as the attacking left back and uh, one Foyt as the defensive right back, and then Tanganga sort of moved into that Foyt role. Um, but the problem with that, of course, is that that doesn't really suit our attacking players so I think mm. that against Middlesbrough we got away with it fine because we sort of blew them away with talent but there wasn't a lot of occupation in the sort of high wide right area um, but it, ma- it makes perfect sense playing you on the left because it's a role where you're inside a lot of the time anyway so having your inside foot over there um, uh, uh, makes sense from as a, as a more defensive player um, so I, th- I think we'll probably see a lot of this going forwards I've been really impressed with Tanganga generally I, I, I wasn't that high on him as a youth player obviously I don't watch <laughs> anywhere near as much youth football as you do Wendy but he wasn't on my sort of um, to watch list I had him behind um, Aoma um, and then uh, Aoma was injured in pre-season is that right and Tanganga yeah. sort of stepped up and took his place in, in pre-season and, and did well there and everything's really coming through for him yeah, so yeah I I, um, I didn't have huge hopes for Tanganga and I don't want to put too much pressure on him right now and say oh he's been incredible but I've, I've definitely been impressed with him um, he, he's performed better than I would have expected so far yeah, and you certainly can't ask for any more from a young player being brought into the first team. Certainly, he, he was sort of thrown in at the deep end, I suppose, against Liverpool. And that was a that was a technique that worked for Pochettino in his early days, bringing a young player in kind of unexpectedly in, in a big mm. match. And that shows a lot of faith in, in the player. And I like that. I like what Mourinho has done there. I, I think he, he will take him out of a team, um, possibly not next game, but with him in the next few, I suspect, to give sure. him a little break. Uh, and that will be a that will be a sensible management of him. Uh, but to show his sort of faith and play him three games in a row, I I really like that. And uh, he he's gone from strength to strength in terms of his experience of uh, playing in the first team. Mourinho's done this thing before where he plays a youth centre back in a sort of a bonus defensive role for a big game. Um, so uh, there was the game where he's in charge of, of Chelsea and Gerard slipped, um, and I can't remember the name of the the young man. He playing centre-back at that game uh, but we, we've seen that a couple of times from before but then that player sort of disappears again um, completely from, from public view so it's it's really good to see him sort of Tanganga sort of capitalise that on and go forward I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Tanga. I uh, I am excited about Tanganga, uh, but I think that Foytz is a really really special player and um, it, you know it's a shame that he's sort of been usurped as it were mm. Yeah, and there's lots of rumours about Foyt's being sold potentially, which is a, a very, very much a pity as far as I'm concerned. I think a, a fair few fans will be pleased to see the back of them because they see him as a liability, but I think there's a huge upside there. 
Um, the other surprise in the starting lineup, really, especially from a defensive perspective, was that Davinson Sanchez was back on the bench. Bardi, that would have been a surprise to you, I guess. Uh, yeah, but in the, after seeing the game, I can I can kind of understand it because where Davinson has an issue, especially he had a big one midweek, was he's up against um, a quite strong striker. So I think perhaps Mourinho didn't want to put him in a one-on-one situation in the air with um, Dini, and perhaps was um, more uh, had more faith in Vertonghen, especially as they didn't really have a, a striker that could run in behind. So he, he, I think he opted for Vertonghen for the aerial duels and just the, the sheer body strength. It's, Sanchez does have an issue up when he's up against a big number nine. Yeah, we've definitely seen that from Sanchez before, where he's been a little bit bullied off the ball. Uh, and not quite knowing how to use his body to bully a player back and he ends up committing cheap fouls in the midfield area which is Mm. quite unhelpful but uh, yeah a a pity I suppose that Sanchez was uh, dropped out of the team but hopefully it's for the reasons you've said Bardi rather than anything more long long term Uh, I thought we started the game quite well we seemed to take an early um, foothold and then Watford came back into it and there were periods of the first half certainly where we were very very passive in fact both teams were quite passive it was not the game I expected I was I was thinking Watford would try and assert their authority in midfield quite early, particularly given that we only had Winks in there as a positional player in, in Mourinho's uh, own terms. Um, but that didn't that didn't really happen until the second half, where they started winning that midfield battle. Nathan, what did you think of the sort of the clash of styles there? Yeah, I, I wasn't totally shocked that, that Watford didn't sort of try and, and press the issue until the second half and, and sort of be physical in that way. I think that makes a lot of sense. And then once you factor that in, I do think you definitely get the game you expected in that. Um, yeah, we had a lot of tech players and we played some nice attacking football, um, but we weren't able to properly assert ourselves by sort of continuing our pressure and, and, and dominating in that way. And then, of course, in the second half. When Watford start to be more physical and push us back, we we uh, crumbled is too harsh a word. What's a, a softer term? But we sort of came under their pressure and, and, and sort mm. of began to fell apart a little bit. And there were very few clear cut chances in this game. It always felt, certainly the second half, like there would just be one key chance that would settle it. Watford had the penalty, missed it. We had the Lamella chance. Were what two millimeters away from from winning? Um, it was very tight. There, w- there there wasn't a lot in there for either side. Um, so I guess nil. There was probably a, a fairish result in the end. Um, but one of the big frustrations for me was that I thought Lucas was particularly toothless up front, and I don't think he's suited to playing that role. Uh, Bardi, is there anything we could do differently at the moment? I, I don't. I don't know. It's really difficult because both Lucas and Son are appalling with their back to goal at the moment. Son, you can't play the ball into Son when he's facing his own his own goal. He he's, he just doesn't hold it, and he's unable to do much with it. And I, I think Lucas is actually a little bit better than Son in that respect. At least he can kind of do a quick turn. Yeah. And then he's a totally different player once he's once he's facing the right direction. I think that's a big problem for us at the moment, and especially against teams like Watford that don't play very high, and it's very difficult to hit him on the counter. I yeah, I think we're we're going to need to think about this quite well. We, yeah, we definitely need to think about it because we're not going to be able to break teams down with Son and Lucas as a point man. And for me, everything you've just described there uh, led to it being quite a difficult game for our attacking midfielders. So uh, Delhi, I thought, did a, a good job in midfield of taking the ball on the half turn and then driving us forward. But then he had very little to pass forward to. There was limited activity in the final third. And the same with Lo really. He was quite sort of um, sharp and incisive. But once he kind of made those quick passes, there was... There, there wasn't much movement and Watford had lots of bodies behind the ball and it was it was turning out to be a really um, frustrating game for, for those creative players. Bardi, you, you didn't like Delhi's performance in this match. Um, I, I just thought he was a little bit wasteful. I thought the opportunities where we got 
um, Watford turned and we were going at them were quite few. So he he managed to put Lucas through once, but I think there was a few other occasions where his passing was just a little bit sloppy. And in, and in games like this where it is so tight and we don't have a point man, I think you've got to be a little bit more a little bit more precise and he just he played those percentages a bit better and I thought he wasn't good at that and I think he knew it as well his reaction when he came off he was very disappointed mm-hmm. and he it was it was a poor game from him but I know what you mean in our own half when he was collecting the second ball and turning that was fine but it just in the final third he wasn't he wasn't up to his usual standard mm. I kind of want to see Jelly playing higher if he's playing personally and I when when Mourinho first came in and Delhi was reinstalled as the second striker, he looked kind of back to his best. And then game by game by game, he's dropped deeper and deeper as the midfield injuries have set in. Hopefully, with the return of Ndombele, that means Delhi can play a little higher. Although, frankly, he looks like he needs a break at the moment. He looks like he needs a couple of games off to um, to recover his spark. But I, I hope that he gets a little rest and then comes back and plays higher up the pitch where he's much more effective. And then perhaps we won't have to play Lucas because Delhi could do a job potentially up front by himself. Um, Ged- Jedson, I need to say Jedson, it's Jedson, isn't it? Jedson came on and I, th- I thought he looked quite impressive. Ardy, did you did you catch Jedson's cameo? Yeah, I, he had a touch of the Paulinho's about him. That <laughs> <laughs> harsh, harsh. And no, no, as in like he, he loves breaking the lines. He properly likes charging through. So and and I like that. Sometimes we need um we need a player who's just willing to gallop into into space and move on to the ball. And I, yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the worst debut in the world. Um, I I don't know. This is a bit off topic, but I have a question for both of you. <laughs> I I liked the I didn't mind well I didn't mind the Lacelso Winks partnership, and I guess in that kind of game it suits it. But if Endombele was fit, who doesn't play in that match? Is it Lucas or is it Lamella or is it Lacelso or Winks? I'm not sure where where does he fit in that. For me. I'd probably take Lamella, put Ndombele in there, maybe drop him a little bit deeper and Lacelso further forward. But you two, what do you think? I think what you've just described is what Mourinho would do. Yeah. I would personally leave Lucas on the bench uh, for the time being and go with either Deli or Lamella or both of them at, at the sharp end uh, and parachute and Dombele into our midfield because I think he'd make a really big difference at the moment. Uh, I, I really am looking forward to Ndombele being fit and Lacelso also playing playing in the same team as him because I think that will be a real difference maker to us. Uh, I thought Winks actually had quite a tidy game. It's fairly unspectacular although he played that one genuinely spectacular pass through to Son who in taking it first time and smashing it over the bar made it look a lot more difficult a chance than it, than it needs to be. If he'd taken a touch he probably could have had a, a shot there um, and, and it would have been a really good scoring chance but he, I can see why he took it first time but he did make it difficult for himself. Sorry Nathan I'll let you answer Bardi's question. No no I, I, I completely agree Bardi has said what Mourinho would do. I would take Lucas off. Um, I'll just add that, you know, none of these <laughs> uh, rotations mm. really sort of solve the midfield problem as it is with the squad. Yeah, yeah, really good point. I mean, we still undoubtedly need a solid defensive midfielder. Uh, I, I think um, I was really surprised that Eric Dyer didn't start mm. this game personally. I thought he would, uh, but I can also absolutely understand why he didn't because he does really look like he's, you know, running through treacle the moment he's um his sharpness just hasn't returned as quickly as we hoped it might his passing is inconsistent there are some good things he, he fills spaces he, better than our other midfielders he is our only defensive <laughs> midfielder yeah <laughs> and, and yeah exactly um 
you know, just through the fact that he's there and he, his natural instincts lead to him being in front of a defence, uh, it, it really helps. I think it helps. A lot of people disagree. I would stick with him until we've signed someone else to play that role. Um, but I can also understand Mourinho's reticence based upon his previous few performances. Uh, we had a question for from uh, Unfit for Spurpus. <laughs> who says when Ericsson leaves do you think we will act to get a replacement or are we likely to go ahead with a different style that doesn't need to accommodate an Ericsson type player for example Liverpool and Coutinho um what do we think Bardi if Ericsson does leave this window as expected do, do you think Mourinho signs someone or do you think he just goes with the Celso as the Ericsson replacement yeah I think he goes with the Celso I think if that Ericsson money the wages and the the cash comes in I think we'll probably see that go on a striker. I think Mourinho's um, had enough with um, with our strike force as it is at the moment, and especially with Son being so out of form. I think um, signing signing a nine, a, at least a person capable of, of scoring a scruffy goal, is is really important because there was a few kind of scrambles and a few um, cutbacks in that game that had Kane been on the pitch, he would have got a hat trick. Sure. How about you, Nathan? What do you think? Is it is it worth trying to replace Ericsson or is he irreplaceable? Uh, <laughs> he's certainly very, very difficult to replace, uh, despite the sort of terms that he's leaving on. I thought he was fighting against Middlesbrough. Um, uh, yeah, I think Lacelso is our intended replacement for Ericsson, and I, I think that he was necessary uh, and will continue to be necessary. We need to activate his his sort of um, permanent clause if we haven't done already. Um, Liverpool are really the only team in the world who can play without a playmaker, and you need to play their exact kind of football if you want to avoid having a playmaker and you need you know one of only a couple of coaches in the world who can coach that kind of football to an extremely high level to play without a playmaker so you've got to have one basically they they are hugely spoiled as well because their sort of playmaking duties are shared between a number of highly technical players such as a right back I mean that is exceptionally unusual for a right back to have playmaking abilities but Alexander Arnold has that also Wijnaldum I think it's been terrific this year and whilst he's not kind of a Ericsson style tempo setter or prober uh, he, he's got some of that ability and, and he does you know pop up around the edge of the box and play incisive passes Cater as well who's not quite established himself but is a terrific player in his own right um, they, they've got that skill set buried within other players so they kind of share the load whereas with Spurs you know perhaps in time we'll have it with Lo Celso and Dombele and maybe even Winks but at the moment we're so heavily reliant on Ericsson and when he doesn't play or when he doesn't play well which has been the case for some time now we we don't look fluent and uh, it's going to take some getting used to for sure many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care plush care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey they can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Are you 
touched on the Borough game already, Nathan, but uh, there was some there was some good football there, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I really genuinely enjoyed that game, which is not something I can say about Tottenham mm. uh, a huge amount in the last you know year nearly. Um, yeah, again, really really impressed with Tanganga, really impressed with Lacelso. Again, I thought Lacelso was good um, against Watford. Um, it was nice to see Ericsson not be terrible, so that he's not um, if he you know if he does leave uh, within the next couple of days, he's not leaving on a really bad performance and, and that kind of sour note um and yeah a, a, a continuation of that sort of uh, the ideas that uh, more what Mourinho said the other day about sort of West Ham being the game where his ideas were most realized because he had the defensive fullback but we also saw Tanganga sort of mix that up so we did see him tuck mm. in and, and play a uh, third center back but also against Byron and, and also again a little bit against Watford we saw him be adventurous as well when time called for that so I, I think it's a a, a pretty difficult and special role that 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 Mourinho wants there in that you know you, you've got to be able to be a centre back and a winger, which I guess is sort of <laughs> what a fullback is, but it's 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 taking that to a, a a pretty extreme place. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And on the other side, we had a really interesting battle between Sessegnon and Spence. Uh, Spence for Borough is mm. very very impressive for for a nineteen year old and. Our own 19-year-old Session, I thought had a really good game. He wasn't taking players on with the ball, but his movement off it was, to me, really exciting. He was kind of playing a ball inside and then just galloping past his man, waiting to receive it. He didn't always get it back, but uh, I, I was really encouraged by the performance of both of our fullbacks in that game. That was one of the better uh, Spurs fullback performances I've seen for a while, with both playing well. Um, there were some, some issues in the game, sure. I thought Sanchez had a a pretty ropey one and perhaps that led to him being dropped for Watford uh, but on the whole, there was some there was some positive positive play there. Bar, did you did you catch the Borough game? Yeah, I, I was at the match. It was um, it was a weird atmosphere. It was um, went on general sale, so it was lots of um, lots of families and kids and stuff. Um, the most important thing for me, who was at the game, I just didn't want extra time. I was like, mm. um, and then when minutes were scored, the last thing I needed was <laughs> was extra time on a personal level. But it was the first half was nice and always with, without killing the game off completely. We always left the door open for them. Um, Gazaniga not to get down at his um, get down quick enough. So, um, but we got through, and that's the most important thing. And I'm looking forward to Southampton away now, which is a, a tricky game in itself. They've already beaten us this season, uh, and they're they're a bit up and down. But generally, since since they started this run, since the nine nil defeat to Leicester, in fact, they've they've looked a tidy outfit. So that won't be a, an easy match at all. Um, we should talk about transfers, really. We're sort of mm. two thirds of the way through the transfer window. Uh, Nathan, you've written here on the running order. Mendes runs our club now. Yeah, pretty much. Um, which is hard to uh, <laughs> spin in a positive way. It's like uh, he, he's a really sort of um, crafty, but with that sort of dodgy character and the number of clubs he has significant operations in and I, I sort of I, I get it in that we're in this flux situation at the moment and we want temporary solutions and the club seem especially focused on on the recent injuries we had during the window which are to Kane and Sissoko um, and say okay let's get temporary replacements in for them and then reassess things later down the line and therefore we're not going to go into our budget um, but then like that's not a completely free hit to like take on the wages and a place in the squad for that period of time and then I imagine there's going to be like an appearance base kind of um, activations and then you have to be careful of that and I just I don't know just getting into bed with Mendes um, makes me feel very uncomfortable and was it the links to his strikers? Is it Zay Luis? I think it's just Zay it might be Ger or something weird but yeah the Brazilian striker is that right? 
Uh, I thought he was Portuguese. <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, but he he's another Mendez client. Uh, is that what made you think kind of there's something deeper here than, you know, the, the fact that... Uh, sorry, he's Cape Verdean. Yeah. Just checked. <laughs> uh, the fact that we signed Jetson, who is owned by Mendez. I say owned by. He's, he's his agent. And <laughs> then we were linked with Zay Luis. Is that what made you think, God, we might have a problem here? Yeah. I mean, so it, I... I find it surprising. Like Levy is not the kind of chairman you would expect mm. to just say, "Sure, yeah, what players have you got? Yeah, we'll bring them in," uh, rather than sort of doing a, his own process. You know, we we've seen that sort of uh, uh, Levy sort of um, control down to a micro level, sort of undermine relationships with managers over the years and 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 make things difficult that way. So to see us sort of uh, leaning heavily on, on Mendes, as we have seen other clubs do, is, is definitely surprising. Um, yeah, like I said, it, it does sort of make sense, in, uh, I, or at least I, I sympathise with the club's approach in that it's very temporarily focused. It's not like we're, we're buying Mendes players uh, straight out, but um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just weird. I think it's one of those relationships where if we can maximise it for our own personal gain, then it won't bother me too much. Uh, I guess it's one of those things where you, just, you start you start wondering who's really going to profit from this. And Mendes. Whilst it, well, yeah, exactly. Whilst it's Spurs, then fine. But you can't help but feel that there'll come a point where Spurs are profiting less than Mendes himself. And that is the issue. Uh, to me, Jensen, on first showing, I, I kind of, I'm willing to give that deal the benefit of a doubt because he did seem to add something that we don't have in other players. So I'm thinking perhaps, yeah, perhaps Mourinho just knows the player really well. Um, has already spotted that there's a something missing from our team, someone who can break the lines, like Bardi mentioned, perhaps who can who can just run and, and doesn't stop running until he gets into the box. Maybe that's something that's been missing since Delhi stopped doing it, and maybe that's something he wants to add, particularly from the right hand side. So I'm willing to give that one the benefit of a doubt. Uh, if if we were to get two or three more loan signings where Mendes was involved, I I, I might share your concerns, Nathan. But mm. um, I guess we just see how these next sort of ten eleven days go. Uh, see how it pans out. And um, Bardi, what, what, what are you making of the transfers so far? And do you, do you have hopes for what we can manage to do in the last few days of the window? Yeah, I, I know Nathan's fears about um, about tying so closely in with Mendes, but if we can get a couple of players that and play it cleverly, then it's it's not a bad thing. Hopes wise, I don't know. I was cold on Piontek. But then he scored a couple of goals this week and he's that kind of player that he would have scored two or three against Middlesbrough and at, at a time I joked that he wouldn't score against Watford but then maybe he would have I, I don't know I just think we need somebody to occupy opposition defence at the moment I think it's too we're too easy if they sit back to to be nullified Lucas and Son so I think I think we need a, a different option there and if we can get him on a loan then um, with a loan with an option to buy then it's a good thing I don't know if that was deliberate, Bardi. That's a beautiful segue to our, our next question from Joe Gilby, who talks about Troy Parrott. And he says, with Mourinho saying Parrott's not ready for first-team football, not including when the squad against Middlesbrough, and not wanting him to go out on loan, plus in light of the news that he's apparently stalling on a new contract, is there a concern that Parrott becomes Tottenham's Jadon Sancho? And Bardi, when we originally spoke about this, you said absolutely not. No, no, I don't know, man. I don't think so. Jadon Sancho's a bit of a player, There's, but then I guess no one knew about him until he left. Um, <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, they knew, well, I didn't, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Parrot 
Has Parrot, does Parrot deserve the hype? That's the question that I'm asking. Windy, does Parrot deserve the hype? I think Parrot does deserve the hype, personally. I, I think okay. Parrot is um, he's definitely the top five players I've ever seen for our academy. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, you know, you, you hyped Edwards. He's now playing in... No, Edwards is going to become our Sancho. He's tearing <laughs> it up in Portugal at the moment. And Windy hyped Carl Walker-Peters. No one wants no him. No comment. Not even Palace. Yeah. Windy hype, Windy hyped Velkovic. I don't know, even know what where is he? He's driving an Uber or something. I don't know. <laughs> playing playing centre back for Werder Bremen. Yeah, man. Um, oh, there we go. But yeah, I mean, Velkovic was a, a lovely player, and I think it, I, st- I honestly still believe it would have turned out differently if he got a chance. But but such is life. I, I think the thing with Power is so. There's this talk about the contract. So there's there's two stories in the contract. The first is uh, that when he turns 18, which is in a couple of weeks, he'll sign a long term contract, and that is because I think before players are 18, they can't sign for more than three years and frankly I find this a bit odd because why would we not just sign him at 17 for a three-year to a three-year contract and then if needs be extend it when he turns 18 so there's there's that um we've got experience at Spurs of contract disputes meaning that players aren't getting games aren't allowed to go out on loan until they sign the thing um and that concerns me so these last two games would have been perfect opportunities to have Troy Parrott on the bench yeah. or perhaps even starting against Middlesbrough and the fact that he wasn't there it does worry me a little um so there's two elements to that firstly I think he's good enough to be on the bench and he could make a difference and he'd be genuinely a really handy option there's also the fact that in not putting him on the bench that sends a negative sign to him and if we're already kind of locked in tra- in contract t- negotiations is he really going to make him want to sign a contract if he's missed out on these bench opportunities? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe he'll turn 18, sign a contract, start being involved and everything will be fine. But I want to see some kind of plan for Parrots. It's fine if Mourinho thinks he's not ready for first team football and not ready for a loan. But in that case, he should be playing under 23 football and he's not. Mm. So currently he's playing no football. I mean, he'll probably play more games for Ireland than he will for, for Spurs at any level this season if, if things keep going this way. And that's not a good thing. We've been there before with other players. He needs games. He needs games. And I hope those games are for us. But if they're not for us, I hope they're out on loan somewhere. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I, I guess we'll know a lot more in a couple of weeks once he turns 18. And, and hopefully it's just a case of Parrot turns 18. And the day he does, he signs a five-year contract and all is one in the world. Uh, let's talk more about youth players <laughs> because we had another email from... Uh, sorry, another question from Jace Tucker, who says, what's going to happen to Skippy? Also, Walker-Peters and Foyt. We've spoken about Foyt already. Walker-Peters is being strongly linked with a move to Crystal Palace. That presumably will be a low move. Um, and, and Oliver Skip will be certainly down the pecking order with the signing of Jetson. What would you do with Skip Bardi? Do you keep him around and and hope that he gets a few minutes here and there or do you send him out on loan to develop? No, Skip's got to go out on loan. I really like him. I like um I like the way he moves, I like his passing, his industry. I think I think he's got to go out on loan and get some minutes under his belt. Um Jetson has kind of has totally well, he wasn't getting minutes anyway, but his route now to the first team is even further mm. further away. So, um yeah, Skip has to go somewhere and not fall for the whole kind of honour my Carl Walker-Peters um, trick. Sure. And Nathan, what do you think about the Walker-Peters deal, whether that be a loan or permanent transfer? Yeah, I'm just happy for him to <laughs> get some professional minutes away from the mm. club. I think that's a good move for him, Palace. It'll, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Walker-Peters should he impress at Palace, whether that would mean that he's considered a Spurs player next year or whether we use that to sell him at a higher value. Um, I guess it's too early to say at this point because he... 
you know, it's still at the club at the moment, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, on a point, interestingly, on Onoma, uh, he had a terrible start for Fulham. He um, he took he was playing lots of games early on under Parker. Uh, took so much abuse from their fans online who were just saying, "Why have we signed this guy? He's absolutely useless." And then suddenly it all clicks. And the last few, he's been one of their best players. They absolutely love him now. They want that he's a he's a mainstay in their midfield. And they're saying, you know, let's hope Onoma stays here for many years and uh, develops at Fulham. I'm really pleased for him as well because. Onimo is a very good player. We just didn't see it at Spurs. I can completely appreciate, by the way, any people who just watched the Spurs first team who think Onimo's rubbish because he didn't play particularly well in the Spurs first team. But he's a very good player. There's a good, talented uh, English footballer in there. Um, so, yeah, delighted to see him finally proving his ability in the championship. Uh, Clement952 says, why are there so many good teenage fullbacks? Nathan, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, I really like this question. So I sort of mentioned earlier uh, the sort of uh, fullbacks are centre-backs or wingers thing which is a Jamie Carragher argument which is that um, n- no one grows up wanting to be Gary Neville all full-backs are either a failed centre-back or a failed winger and I think that's been true for a very long time but I think that n- over the last 10 years as we've seen uh, most wingers stop being wingers and start being sort of inside players creative players or or goal-scoring players more than before um, full-backs have become their own thing not just um, you know wingers who lack in a certain area or whatever so I think we're seeing players truly being brought through academies as fullbacks now and that's why we there's this generation this young generation of rounded good attacking fullbacks coming through yeah I fully agree with that it's kind of an exciting position to play now with most systems whereas before you were kind of just filling a hole you were just there making up the numbers uh now you're a prominent position yeah as a bad footballer i've played quite a few minutes at fullback as sort of the, the last person to take a football role on the fit i'm interested to see if the uh the, the wrong-footed fullback becomes more of a thing um over the next few years i'm, I'm thinking particularly in respect to brandon williams at man U, who's a, a right-footed player playing left back and doing a really good job there uh that's something particularly on, on the left side because obviously statistically more players yep. are right footed than left so you've got more chance of, of, of making it I suppose if you're willing to play left back um, so yeah I, I'm intrigued to see if that becomes a thing as well yeah, we did a. Um, people can always scroll back and go to our um, timeless fullback episode where we talk about our favourite fullbacks. And I actually pick out Candela, who was one of the first yeah. kind of inverted fullbacks who was who used to cut inside on his right foot. He'd play from the left, cut inside on his right to great effect. And I, I agree with what um, what Nathan's saying that there has been a change of mindset, uh, especially in this country on fullbacks. With um, and that that a lot of that's got to do with the input of like Conte and. Um, Pochettino, Guardiola and Klopp obviously where they're just utilising the full width of the pitch and to do that you need good footballers in every kind of um, every kind of passing lane and you need really good footballers wide and fullbacks are no longer just a player you kind of pass it out to who just lumps it away they have they're, they're an essential part of um, of attacking uh, as well as defending now we had another question from Rob Kleinite, who is Orange Spur on Twitter. He says, for rebuild purposes, is our Tottenham better off not being in the Europa League next season? Surely we don't need that bogging us down. Um, Bardi, would there be any benefits to being in the Europa League? I don't think I wouldn't mind being in it. If I think it gives us a, if anything, it gives you quite a good shot at getting back in the Champions League again. Man United have shown that Arsenal and Chelsea last year they 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 showed how kind of relatively easy it is. As long as you 
as long as you focus, you'll you'll walk the group stages and pretty much all the way to the quarterfinals. You'll be playing Farmers, so there is that is quite a quite an easy route into the Champions League if if you have if the draw goes right. And I don't see a problem with it in a way to kind of blood through Tanganga, give Tanganga European experience and stuff. So I I always think it's essential for Spurs to play European football. So if it is Europa League, it's Europa League. And Nathan, has Mourinho got form for sort of heavy rotation in the Europa League? Uh, maybe in the groups. He he likes to sort of, especially in his first season or first two seasons, um, pretends that Europa League is a huge major honour and win it and then, hmm. you know, call himself a um, a winner and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I personally dislike watching Spurs play in the Europa League. Um, but as, as Barley said, uh, the group stage especially is good for bringing through players. Harry Kane obviously broke through after playing Europa League group stage games. Um, but that Thursday night football really just messes with your weekend. And I, I think it has a significant impact on league performance. And I, I, there isn't definitely an argument to be had um, that if you're not in the Champions League, you just shouldn't bother with midweek European football. Mm. Not to mention tremendous opportunities for banter from other clubs. Oh, yeah. Which is just so tiresome. Uh, finally, Dan Ford asked a question, which I'm going to I'm going to pass over to you, Nathan. He says, "I've been interested in information on Tyler Adams. Spurs are taking on Leipzig, for whom Adams plays. Uh, he says he's just knocking the rust off a long injury absence that interrupted a great start to life in the Bundesliga. But I've long thought him the more exciting American prospect uh, over Pulisic. Nathan, you've seen quite a bit of Leipzig. What do you make of Tyler Adams? Yeah, so uh, here's my my nuclear take. Not only is Adams the more exciting prospects but I think that he is uh, the US's greatest ever player already um, holy shit yeah I, well I mean you know the the history of uh, US soccer is like not that brilliant doesn't go back that long so like I think Pulisic was like <laughs> at least in the running for that title beforehand and I think that Adams has usurped him he's he's a uh, he's a number six um he's he's creative from that position but he's he's like he's um athletic as well I guess he's sort of um <laughs> this uh, I don't know a harsh issue um, he's like if Winks was truly brilliant <laughs> playing that kind of role. Um, but because of that, he'll be really, really expensive. Um, I think it'll be very hard to get uh, his uh, get Leipzig's hands off him. Uh, I, you know, I've, I I see him eventually going to um, you know one uh, a trillionaire club kind of thing. Um, and by Munich, perhaps Munich or City or Barca or Real. I think that's I think that's where he's eventually headed. However, um, you, uh, the, uh, Dan mentioned his his long injury absence. That is not his first long injury absence, and he's he's a young player still, so he's already uh, a noted injury prone player. And so, uh, if it if we were going to be considering really spending big money on Adams, um, the consideration would be we're adding another injury prone player to our very injury-prone midfield as it is. Fair, fair. Um, it's interesting to get your thoughts on Leipzig. I know you've been watching them swatting up ahead of our uh, Champions League <laughs> tie, uh, which is still a month away, but you're very nervous about that. Oh, mate, you? they are going to kill us. They are so good. They are... Uh, okay, so they play um, uh, a very similar... Not a very similar style, but a pretty similar style of football to Liverpool and, uh, you know, look over our... I mean, I guess you can say, uh, look how Mourinho set up against Liverpool. I thought he set up very 
very smartly and, and say that there's some some uh, ideas and application there um but the sort of their general tactical approach and also their quality means that this is a really really tough draw that we've got on our hands mm. and Werner scored 20 goals already for them this season remember when we were in for him about three four years ago yeah that's depressing isn't it <laughs> <laughs> he would have been so perfect quick buddy say something positive um every time i've seen him plays look rubbish <laughs> <laughs> and that is as good a place to end you to end the podcast that's my scouting he was all for the world cup forget about him tang gang tang gang tang gang tang gang has got him you've been listening to the extra inch thanks to nathan a clark for production thanks to barley for being italian thanks to adam gardner for the artwork thanks to david lindner for our intro music you can find him on twitter at davy shambles and soundcloud d lindner do check him out he's great, great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.ca and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.